Hey, welcome to Mile Straight. We're so glad you're here today. Um, if you would allow me, what I would like to do in this service is just forget what is typical for a pastor when he gets up on Sunday morning, especially on Easter, to speak. And uh, I would like to just talk to you for a while. Some things have happened in my life over the last five weeks that have generated a new understanding of God. It's really brought me to a new place in my relationship with God. And what I'm praying is that these things will also help you. Because I'm quite convinced that uh, when God leads me to do something, especially when it's out of the ordinary, that He doesn't lead me to do it for my own benefit. That uh, while I benefit from it, I believe that there are others who would be in similar situations possibly that would also benefit. And so as a result, I want you just to soak this in. Just listen, pay attention, and bear with me because some of the things I'm going to share with you are mildly embarrassing uh, because here I am, the pastor, and I'm about to tell you some things that I have preached very strongly and yet have not followed my own preaching. Uh, from time to time, when I'm driving down the road, my wife or daughter will remind me of something I've said in a sermon and uh, will, will try to calm me down because I get aggravated behind the wheel. And uh, so I get that thrown back in my face. Will you have the right to do that this morning if you'd like? After we get done, please wait until I get finished. It, it somewhat interrupts my train of thought when people walk up to the stage and tell me I'm ignorant. So just wait until I'm done and then feel free. And back about uh, five weeks ago, in fact, five weeks ago yesterday, I started with fever and chills and all the common signs of the flu. Came and spoke the next morning and then went straight home to bed. And for really for two weeks, I did not come out of my room very much at all. I was uh, confined to my quarters because, number one, that's where I felt most um, most comfortable, but also because no one else in the family wanted to get it, and so I was stuck. And uh, after oh a week and a half, I started feeling better. And, uh, and the problem was, though, I couldn't shake the fever. There was a fever that was persistent, kept hanging on, and as a result, I just assumed that uh, I probably still had a touch of the flu. I came in that following Sunday and spoke and then left uh, before church was over because I didn't want to pass it on to anyone. And, um, but uh, then on the following Tuesday, I found out that the fever was actually a symptom of something that was uh, much worse, at least to me in my way of thinking it was far worse. I'd had a problem with my leg. It had been hurting since about three or four days into the process with the flu. And um, I asked my son-in-law, he's a doctor, I asked him to look at it, and he did. And he said, well, you don't really have a lot of signs of a blood clot, but let's just keep an eye on it and see what happens. Well, honestly, I just thought because I'd been sitting so much that it was just my lower back was, was in a bad place and therefore it was causing problems in my leg. That happens when you get old. Those of you who aren't yet, you just have that to look forward to. And so I didn't think much more about it. But uh, then came that Tuesday. 
Melinda and I had been running around throughout the day and uh, I'd been experiencing quite a bit of pain in my leg. It was really hurting and uh, it was making it to where it was hard to walk. And as we were getting ready to leave again, uh, my son-in-law was standing there. I said, hey, would you mind looking at my leg again? He said, yeah, what's, what's happened now? What's going on now? And I told him, I said, well, it's swollen about twice the size of the other. It's, it's feverish and it hurts like crazy. And he said, yeah, definitely need to look at it. He took a look at it and to make a long story short, he said, you just, you need to go to the emergency room right now. And so Melinda and I took off, not where we wanted to go, but uh, instead to the emergency room. And I talked to the lady out front. She asked what was going on. I told her um, she thankfully had had the experience with her husband. Um, not thankfully for her benefit, but thankfully for mine. She went and told the... Um, the triage nurse who came and got me, I didn't have to wait in line, didn't have to wait on everybody else. He took me straight back into the emergency room, into a room, gave me one of those very fashionable gowns, and uh, she said, the doctor will be in in just a minute. I thought, yeah, right. <laughs> that never happens, right? Emergency room, you go and you expect to wait because there's always someone that's in worse shape than you are, and They've got to take priority, and so I expected to be there, but sure enough, he was in in just a matter of minutes, and I should have known, well, this is a big deal, right? He looked at it, and he felt pretty much the same as my son-in-law did, that there's most likely a blood clot there, and uh, he ordered a uh, ultrasound to be done. And after the ultrasound was done, he got the results, came back into the room, and he said, you have a blood clot. And he said, you not only have a blood clot, but you have a big blood clot. It starts at the top of your leg, goes to down below the middle of your calf. And I got to tell you something, that in that moment when he said that, because I did not expect to hear it, number one, but also because I have seen the possibilities of blood clots. Not the probabilities, but the possibilities of blood clots. I know what can happen, and we've lived through that with family members. And because I knew what was possible, I instantly was afraid. I was very, very scared. Now, for you husbands, here's a word of advice. I did not tell my wife how afraid I was through this whole process because I did not want her to be more afraid than was necessary. I found out later that that's one of those things that she wanted to know. And as a result, we had that conversation that if you're married, you've probably already had that you need to tell your wife these things. And, uh, but because there was a possibility of death looming over me, I got a pass on it. And she didn't yell, scream. I so appreciate that. And so they started the drip of the, the uh, uh, blood thinner on me and uh, admitted me to the hospital. 
and eventually took the drip off the next day and started me with uh, something I could take through the mouth, which I liked a whole lot better. I wasn't restrained to the bed at that point. Melinda had gone home during the night. We didn't get into the room till after one, and then the process of admittance took several hours. She finally went home to get a couple hours sleep, came back the next morning. And in those moments that she came in, I realized that it was necessary, and I said, Honey, we need to have a talk. Now, neither of us wanted to have the conversation that followed. I said, you know, there's a possibility that this goes the wrong way and, and I die from it. And so we talked about insurance matters. We talked about legal matters. And by the way, it helps with insurance matters when your insurance men are your brothers. You just say, go see Tim or Jimmy and you don't have to deal with that anymore. And we talked about those things. And I can tell you that while I tried not to let her know I was afraid, I was very scared. And what I found happening through the fear was that something that was so valuable to me was being stolen from me. And that was my peace. You know, there's something about experiencing the peace of God in your life that when it's not there anymore, you miss it. I have experienced this incredible peace that comes from God, and all of a sudden it wasn't there anymore, and I missed it. Well, let me go home on Thursday uh, from the hospital. I thought, well, you know what? Get home. Things will get better. Uh, but they didn't. I told several people through this process that the legs seemed to be easing up. The pain wasn't as great. And I thought that my biggest problem was my mind. Because that give me a list of restrictions, things you don't do right now, and then some other things it's okay to do. But even the things it was okay to do, I was afraid to do. I didn't want to step over something because I was afraid I'd step down too hard and break the clot loose and it would go to my lungs or it would go on to my heart. And I knew the complications that was caused by things like that. My leg had gotten real tight, and the doctor said, well, begin to gently stretch it out and start to relieve some of that tightness. But I was afraid to do that, because in my mind, you stretch the leg, you stretch the vein, you stretch the vein, then possibility of the clot breaking loose. And, and even though it was not the probability, it was a possibility. And I was afraid. I came to realize 
and become convicted by things that I had preached. Preached a whole series on fear. There's the answer. But I still have fear. As a result of fear, I wasn't sleeping a lot. It's not too uncommon, but it gave me a lot of time at night to, to begin digging in the Bible. And through the course of searching, God began to give me some verses that were extremely comforting to me. One of my favorite passages in all the Bible is Joshua, the book of Joshua. Particularly the first three chapters where, where God is preparing Joshua to lead the children of Israel into the land that he had promised them. And Joshua knew what that meant. I mean, he was getting ready to lead a group of people that had already rebelled against the former leader. And he was getting ready to lead them into battle against people that were much bigger, much more prepared, much more skilled, much better equipped. And if you read into what's being said, in particularly Joshua chapter 1, you find that Joshua was afraid. Joshua was intimidated by what was coming. He was challenged greatly, to say the least, by what God was leading him to do. And in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9, God just gets right down to the heart of it with Joshua. And he says, Joshua, have I not commanded you? In other words, Joshua, have I not given you this command? And what I'm about to share with you is something I've commanded you and yet you're not doing it. Joshua, have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. And why? Because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I know the circumstances are different. Joshua was getting ready to fight flesh and blood. Man, this was a huge battle. And the battles would continue. They would go on and on and on. My battle was not with somebody else. It was with my mind. And yet the same principles applied to me. Why was I afraid? I mean, was not the God who is bigger than my problems in every single way with me? <laughs> yes. I mean, not some of the time, but all the time. Not bigger than some of my problems, but all of my problems. I mean, he's the God who could simply heal me if he so desired. Now, he's not chosen to do that. But I also understand that he's the God who loves me more than I love myself. Who knows more about what's best for me than I know for myself. Who cares for me in ways that I can't possibly understand. Who has prepared a plan for my life to prosper me and not to harm me. 
And if that plan includes my death, so be it. Because God knows what's best for me. He knows what's best for my wife. He knows what's best for my daughter, my son-in-law. He knows... He knows it all. And I came to the realization that as much as I want to see my, my grandson grow up, God knows what's best. And as I watched what was taking place in my life with the fear, and I saw that I had lost my peace, and I came to understand a truth that I already knew, but had seemed to overlook it in this problem, God was with me. And yet, I was still afraid. So then I determined, okay, that's a big deal, but there's got to be more to this. There's got to be something else that needs to be added to this scenario because I'm still afraid. And so I read more. And I came to a remarkable verse where Isaiah is talking to God in Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 13. And Isaiah says, you, God, will keep him, man, in perfect peace. And if you just stop right there in the verse, you, you think, wow, this is for everybody. And so I read the rest of the verse, and I found that there was a qualifying statement that followed. You will keep him in perfect peace whose heart is stayed on you. You will keep him in perfect peace. The qualifier is for the person whose mind and whose heart is focused on you. Now here's where the problem was for me. Because my heart, my mind was not focused on God. My heart, my mind was focused on my problem. My problem had become so big that it had blinded me to God. My problem had become so big that it consumed me. My problem had become so big that it took my peace and my joy away. And I stopped in my tracks and I said, God, you're right. <laughs> There's where my peace is. 
The verse goes on to say, because he trusts in you. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. When I'm focused on God, what I'm saying is, God, I understand I've got a problem here. But I also understand that you're bigger than that problem. I understand that you are bigger than that problem in every single way. And I trust you to do what's best in my life. And in that moment, when I turn my focus from my problem to God, all of a sudden I began to feel what I had felt a few weeks before. A peace that I can't even begin to explain. What a remarkable feeling. <laughs> but now lest we think that this is a one and done situation, let me share with you, that's not the case. It wasn't that I could focus my attention on God for a period of time and then it satisfied the problem I had. It satisfied the issue with, with worrying and stress and, and anguish and all of these things because I tried that. You know, I focused on God. I got my attention, my heart, my mind on God. And yet what I found was slowly but surely the problem began to creep back into my mind, to the forefront of my thoughts. And all of a sudden that problem that had been put in its place began to grow again. And it began once again to be significant in my life. It began to, to overshadow God. And with this problem came the fear, the anxiety. And once again the loss of peace. Now, I'm not trying to tell you I've perfected this. I haven't. But I am telling you that every time I put my focus where my focus belonged, I got my peace back. You may be in my same situation. You may be here and you have lost your peace. Something you need to know is that this peace is not promised to everyone. When God gives these promises, He's promising this peace for His children, for His family. If you're not part of the family of God, if you've never been saved through the sacrifice Jesus Christ made on the cross of Calvary, then this promise is not for you. Please understand that. Now, in just a minute, I'm going to share with you how to change that. But for now, just understand, this promise is for the family of God. Your situation may be the same in that what's caused you your, your peace is a physical problem. Yours may be a, 
a financial problem. Yours may be a spiritual problem. What's cost you your peace may not have anything to do with you at all. It may deal with somebody that you love so much that they've got a physical problem or they've got a, a financial problem or they've got a spiritual problem. And as a result of, of what's going on either in your life or in the life of someone else, you have allowed, even as I did, the fear to overwhelm and to rob you of something so precious. And you have lost your peace. You know, the joy of what I get to share with you today is that peace is available. It's there. It's just an understanding that God is bigger than our problems in every single way. And that God is always with us. And that if I can keep my focus on God, my problem gets in perspective. If I can keep my mind focused on God, if I can, if I can say stay stayed upon God, not here for a little bit and then back on my problem, here for a little bit and back on my problem, but if I can say stayed on God, then all of a sudden I'm more capable of praying the way I need to, of viewing the situation in light of God's plan for my life, for the life of those who are involved. And by the way, if your situation is that the problem that's causing you your peace is somebody else, whether it's physical, financial, spiritual, emotional, whatever the case may be, if it's somebody else, so many times God uses that to get our attention first. God wants to draw us to this great place of, of total focus on Him first before He'll ever start to work in the other situation. And God may be using this to get your heart, to get your attention, to get your focus on Him so that you're in the proper place, even as I've gotten the proper place to be able to pray, to be able to talk to God, to be able to trust Him through the situation so that the problem's in perspective. You don't have to live your life without your peace. You can. It's your choice. But I can tell you what, after having experienced both with and without peace in my life, in the last few weeks, I sure do enjoy the peace a lot more. This morning, what I want to invite you to do is experience the peace of God in your life if you've lost it. I want to invite you to do the same thing I had to do. God, I'm sorry. I've taken my focus off of you. I've made my problem my God. Help me now to put my focus back where it belongs. For those of you who may not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, 
As I said, this promise isn't for you. But there is a remarkable promise that's just for you. Romans chapter 10 and verse 13 says, Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I believe this morning that God is drawing some people to Himself. No one comes to the Father except the Spirit of God draw him. I believe God is drawing people to Himself right now. And I believe for some of you, you're experiencing a battle inside. You probably know what I'm talking about. If you'd like to know more about being part of God's family, here's what I want to invite you to do. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand. And eventually, I'm going to ask you to respond to this message. And what I invite you to do at that moment is just to step out from wherever you are to the aisle that's closest to you and meet me right here at the front. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point you out or call your name. We're not asking you to join anything, to give anything. We just simply want to share with you from God's Word some information that we know will be extremely beneficial. If you'd like to have that information, then my invitation to you is when that time comes, would you just come and meet me? Would you do that? You don't have to figure this out on your own. There are people who are trained in God's Word who would love to share that information with you. So now it's your turn. If you've lost your joy, you lost your peace, this morning you can begin the process of getting it back. If you've never had that joy, you've never experienced that peace, then this morning I want to invite you to come to the Savior.